Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning. Scott Luton, Greg White, and Kevin L. Jackson with you here on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's live stream. Greg, Kevin, how are we doing? Dandy. Yeah, happy, happy Monday. Yeah. Except it was Sunday. Yesterday had all the sun. It was beautiful, warm, and today it's Monday, so it's rainy and dreary. I guess that's how it's supposed to be. (laughs) (laughs) You know, are there rules to weather, Greg? Are there any rules we're unaware of? Well, I think the rule is uh, don't rain during the playoff of a PGA tournament because somehow (laughs) they managed to leak that in. So, uh, but yeah, I think Monday, if, I mean, if you were going to have a dreary day, doesn't it seem logical? Yeah. you know, it isn't it ironic to, which it's not at all, by the way, but isn't it <laughs> fitting that it's Monday? Yes, yeah. it is. Well, hey, Monday, Monday, uh, just can't trust Monday, that day. Monday, Monday. Hey, but you know what? <laughs> Bad weather. What is that? I, I never heard that song. <laughs> I think it's California <laughs> Dreaming. You guys, you guys are much older than me. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, so that we avoid singing anymore, because that is not, at least me singing is not in demand, I can assure you. Um, let's talk about today's show, because bad weather is not going to prevent us from knocking, uh, uh, working our way through some of the leading issues and stories across global business. It's a supply chain buzz. And today, Greg and Kevin, yes, of course, Scott. it's the monthly digital transformers version Greg, of the buzz. Yes. And Kevin, of course, is with us here today, ensuring that we do have a transformational tomorrow. So, Greg, before we uh, before we see what's on Kevin's mind here in, in a few minutes, Greg, we love having him uh, every third Monday here uh, for the Digital Transformers version, right? Yeah, it's awesome. Let's get digital. Um, I have to tell you, this is a pretty ironic weekend. So I spent, uh, spent time um, with some guys at the golf tournament, we were walking around, um, Harbor town golf links. Yeah. One of them, uh, had never used the Ticketmaster app, didn't have email <laughs> on his phone. And it wasn't like wow. he retired like 25 years ago. I mean, he just had never done that. So, wow. In a way I kind of admired that. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> Said, His life was simple. Like he didn't care what the, he didn't care what was being said on Twitter, um, even about the tournament at the time we were watching it. So, from that, right, let's move to what we're going to do about you know digital transformation and what that means for the current working generations and the and the incoming. Well, some right. already here. Excellent point, Greg. And you know you've kind of you've you've. Uh, touched on a couple of things that we're going to be talking about here today, but Kevin, if you had to give a, uh, like a seven word sneak peek of what's going to be the focus of the show today, what, what would you say, Kevin? So, uh, <laughs> for today, preparing for tomorrow, how many words? Hey, that's an economy <laughs> of words. Even counting slow, that's only six. So, Man. Great economy of words. You are ready for the digital future, my friend. Wow. Thank you very much, sir. <laughs> well, Kevin, we got a bunch of good stuff to get with you today. We're going to we're going to share a couple of programming notes and then we're going to say hello to some folks. But uh kidding aside, Kevin, um you know, you uh, how we're equipping our digital workforce with the skills they need and we all need as leaders to drive and power digital transformation which is clearly needed as we move more firmly into the post-pandemic era. It's how businesses are going to be able to serve customers where they are, right? Yeah. And I think the problem is that Many businesses are not doing that. Um, they are, you know, they're, they're not really taking the steps needed to be successful. There's a lot of lip service. Yes, we need to do digital. Uh, yes, we need to be better. We need to, you know, hire younger people. We need to change our processes. But, 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 what? How much revenue is coming in tomorrow? Mm. <laughs> right. You know, um, they can't get away from. 
leveraging the old process to get tomorrow's dollar in to take some of that dollar to create the new process they need to be relevant in the near future. It's like, it's like uh, they, they didn't learn the lessons of COVID and they're just trying to get back to where they were pre-COVID. Mm. And, and, and that's uh, really a, a, a look in the rear view mirror. Yeah. <laughs> well said. Well, I mean, this is, this is the same generations of lead, generation of leaders who have been shocked by the exit of an entire generation over the last 20 years, yeah. right? For their, you know, uh, and this generational change in workforce that we're going through. How can you get caught on the back foot of, of a transition out of the, one of the largest generations in the history of mankind? And if you can get caught off, off by that and COVID, uh, you better get your act together. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Speaking of getting our act together, so we're gonna we're gonna flip flop a bit. We're gonna say hello to some folks because we already got a handful of folks already uh, tuned in. We're gonna say hello. Then we're gonna make a, just a couple of quick announcements, and then we're gonna get into the meat of today's live stream, which are talking along along these topics that Greg and Kevin both are speaking to. But for starters, Josh Goody's back with us from Overcast but not rainy Seattle, Greg and Kevin. Well, we got all the rain here, Josh. So <laughs> you're welcome or thank you, whichever is in order. That's right. Not rainy Seattle. That's odd. No. That is odd. <laughs> yeah. An outlier already. Uh, Sumik is tuned in here today via uh, YouTube. Great to see you, Sumik. Look forward to hearing your uh, take on some of the stories we're going to be walking through. Dude Cromers is here today. Corey Comer uh, via LinkedIn. Great to see you. Uh, Corey, hey. as always, you have to explain that to me at some point. Why it's dude Cromers? Okay, we will. We will. Oh, if I can remember down, from down under. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think I detected a bit of a Australian accent attempt there, yeah. Kevin. My ears could be fooling me though. I failed. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I get it. I'm like the Michael Scott whenever I try to uh, do Im uh, impressions and impersonations, so I avoid it like the plague. Um, now, this is Mary-Kate Saliva. Uh, Mary-Kate, of course, is our new host. Uh, she's an Army veteran. She's a leadership dynamo. She works with the PMI team. She's so many different things, but she's also our new host of Veteran Voices, and she's killing it, just like we knew she would. Uh, she's a tireless, even though she's a veteran, She's a tireless veterans advocate that's, that is always lifting others up. So, um, And thank you, Mary-Kate. You may be the only person in the entire world that enjoys uh, when I sing anything. Uh, so maybe we'll get back to that at some point in time. But great to have you here today. She's a new kid, so she's got to you know, kiss up. So, <laughs> but hey, by the way, if you haven't seen it, Veteran Voices is another one of our shows that got oh, a facelift in terms of identity, and it looks fantastic. Agreed. So. And and some great interviews, man. She has access to some incredible veterans there. Okay, right? she really uh, pumped up that that previous host. Was, eh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Kevin. Man, oh my good. Uh, uh, well, very nice, very nice. <laughs> Keep us on our toes. All right, so Gene, is this national pick on the boss? Yeah, I don't know. Must be. <laughs> Um, Gene Pledger is tuned in as well. Our, our dear friend, Gene, you know, Gene's been on supply chain is boring and he's, he's on a lot of our live streams. Great to have you here, Gene. It looks like he's on the road in Nashville, uh, I believe. So Gene, let us know. Hey, that's what people in the know call it. Nashville. Nashville. <laughs> right. Let us know if you've had some of the Hattie B's or princes. I've heard, I've had Hattie B's hadn't had princes hot chicken, Greg, or a Robert's fried bologna sandwich. Ooh, that's right. That is right. Uh, uh, Sachin. High cuisine. High, high cuisine. Mm, yeah. right. <laughs> Country music capital, Kevin. Right. Sachin is uh, tuned in via LinkedIn. Great to have you here. Uh, looking forward to your perspective. Uh, Corey says, Greg White, combine the Big Lebowski and Scott Luton's mispronunciation of my last name, and you've got dude Cromers. Oh, so, got it. Think, okay, so it's a joke. Yes. Thank you, Corey. And that think, was an easy and clear-cut explanation. <laughs> I think all that took place. Corey Comers, marketing genius. He can turn any any long story into a message easily consumed. So, And I think all that took place uh, on a live stream. So we'll see. But, Corey, great to have you here. And Sumit uh, is tuned in uh, from India. Via YouTube. So great oh, okay. to have you great. here with us, Sumik. Okay. 
So Kevin and Greg, let's let's jump into a couple of quick announcements really quick. Folks, you got to be part of the 2022 Supply Chain and Procurement Awards. I think the registration count, Kevin and Greg, I think we're up past 1,100, 1,200 folks that are all wow. tuned in. It's it's and we still got a That's month huge. to go. A month today to go. Uh not it, only go ahead, Greg. It's a uh we ne- may need to check bandwidth. Seriously. <laughs> right? I mean, if there seriously, I mean if there are limitations to our bandwidth, we may have to contact our service provider. Well, you know, absolutely which could take a month. <laughs> Well, uh, I figure we just tap into Kevin L. Jackson's um, <laughs> massive studio, broad, global broadcast studios, and we'll be all good. It's all good, man. Um, okay. But, go, but, I can't, I, but, but this is really impressive, right? Um, this is uh, over the past, uh, what, 30 days? Has this been an explosion of registration? Not even. Wow. Yeah, I think it's just a couple of weeks, right, of registration? Man. Yeah. Not even. Well, I mean, good, because, I mean, these are companies worthy of knowing there's a lot to be learned from every nominee and certainly from the winners when they're determined. So um, maybe it really is. Maybe it really is. cool. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it myself. God, I'm looking forward to it. Do I need to bring it a tux? Uh, One of those T-shirts. Tuxedo T-shirt? Yes. It may be cool to be supply chain now. I mean, look at this. It might be. It's definitely cool to be talking <laughs> now. We, well, you know, the cool thing is not only do we get a chance to celebrate the best of the best that are out there making it happen across the globe, but while we do that, we are um, bringing resources and visibility to the awesome team, the nonprofit team over at Hope for Justice, which is on a mission hmm. to eradicate right. uh, modern-day slavery and human trafficking. So, folks, um, nominations are over. They're said and done. We're in the hands of our judges now, our executive judges, but there's still time to register and, of course, donate to Hope for Justice. So you can learn more at supplychainprocurementawards.com. Really quick, uh, the Leveraging Logistics for Ukraine. This is a weekly session. Um, these are working sessions every Wednesday at 3 p.m. The latest one's coming up in just a couple of days. Folks, these efforts have have been able to power several containers of aid, targeted aid to vetted needs in Ukraine, Poland, and elsewhere in the region, folks that are in need. So whether you want to come with donations in hand, the ability to move stuff, the ability to donate stuff, the ability to lead stuff, or if you want to just show up and soak in the conversation, kind of be a a wallflower to kind of get a sense of what it's about, that's perfectly fine. But we'd love to have you there. 3 p.m. this Wednesday is the next session. We've got the link in the comments, if we could drop that there. Uh, May 10th, Greg. Greg and I is going to be on a webinar yeah. with our friends at Six River Systems. Greg, we're we talking about how to solve three common peak season challenges, right? Yeah, and it, and the timing is good uh, because if you have the long lead times that we all know everyone has these days for imports, it now is the time to get them on the virtual road. That's right. Right? Um, so, yeah, tune in for this and learn what virtually everyone faces in regards to fulfilling peak demand. Well said. Uh, And it's free to join May 10th at 12 noon Eastern time. The link is in the show notes. And then finally, Kevin and Greg, this is from uh, the Stone Mountain Sunrise service yesterday, right? It was that is above the clouds. That is truly impressive. Greg, you are so perceptive. And Kevin, I know you've been above the clouds uh, (laughs) earlier in your career, Um, but y'all check this out. It looks like we're at the beach. Uh, but what that is is cloud cover. You know, we got on, on top of the mountain, uh, which is on the west side of the Metro Atlanta area. Um, Sunday morning, it was it was probably about 4 a.m. Um, and then around 5:30, cloud cover, you could see it was rolling over the mountain and it was settling on the other side, the west side of the mountain. And it looks like we're at the beach, but that is us and the service above the clouds. Um, and it is it was the it really it was a uh, powerful service, powerful message and just a powerful experience in general. So I hope everyone had a wonderful Easter, Passover, Ramadan uh, holiday. For us uh, as a family, we celebrated Easter and it was remarkable. Okay, so Kevin and Greg. Kevin, um, we have got memory is tuned in here today. Great to see you from rainy. (laughs) Rainy in Joburg, too. (laughs) Maybe it's raining all over the world. Is this day one of the 40 days? All right, we can get started. Jose is here. 
<laughs> hope you got your paddles, folks. Uh, Jose is tuned in from Southern, uh, Southern California. Hope you're well, uh, you're well today, Jose. Great to see you. Uh, Helmet is here. Evening sunshine from the French Riviera. How about Whoa, that? Nice. Oh, there we go. That's where the sun is. Nice. <laughs> Pretty much always, <laughs> by the way. Peter Bole, all night and all days, with us here today. Great to see you here, Peter. Looking forward to your contributions as always. Great to see everybody. Okay, so Kevin yeah. and Greg, are y'all ready to get down to business and get going? Absolutely. All right, so let's do that. So uh, where we're going to get started, uh, we're talking supply chain transformation first. As the folks at McKinsey are asking this question, Kevin, mm. does your team have the skills it needs to accelerate its capabilities? So Kevin, tell us more. Mm. So one of the things that all businesses are trying to deal with is digitalization, right? Um, and McKinsey did a survey and they found that 99% of their respondents, 99% of all their respondents said that they need more in-house digital supply chain talent. Thanks. This is what's shown on the chart they're showing right now. Now, um, this is a tenfold increase from previous years. They did this survey in 2020, right? So it's this, this means that people are now realizing the importance of digitalization, specifically in supply chain. And you look on the right side of this chart, how, how are these leaders going to get this expertise, right? 55% said they're going to reskill their existing labor force, and 52 said they're going to hire new talent, all right? Um, Good luck with that. Exactly. There's a huge shortage out there. You know, there's yeah, a huge shortage. That, that is, uh, that's cognitive dissonance right there if they <laughs> think they're going to hire. So it says that, they did it. Uh, they scored, and there was an overall average score of forty out of one hundred when it comes to knowledge of digital topics. <laughs> now that's a failing grade in any school, right? The well, other I, thing, I, Kevin, I think they. Got, I can verify that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think they got like a twenty-point scale in schools these days. I, 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 <laughs> One other thing they talked about was that, you know, there's this rumor that digital skills favor the young. All right. And but they also say that the highest command of applied digital analytics topics lay with senior executives and mid-level leaders. All right. So it's not that it's, I'm not saying you don't need to hire the young. All right. Because they they have better technical understanding and more educational background for the digital. But the young lack the broad perspective of value creation that is needed. So they can't apply the data science methods and advanced technologies to business problems. So that means you have to train your entire workforce, not just uh, the, the older or, or, or young. And in fact, half of the tasks today in supply chain are expected to be fully automated by uh, 2055. So wow. um, this, is, this is happening fast. Excellent. Uh, Kevin, there's, uh, Greg, there's a lot to get through there. But what's your take here? I think what's interesting is when we use the term young, I mean, let's face it, millennials started turning 40 this year. So um, I think young is a relative term and we have to recognize that not only are these mature business or ready to be mature business people, but also business leaders. And at the same time, we're brought up with technology and equipped to do that. And I think uh, to Kevin's point, I mean, a lot of the statistics point to the fact that while there's a lot of digital awareness in Gen Z and uh, millennials, Gen Y, that Generation X is by far 
the highest uh, util- utilization of technology. And that, and that is the generation that in large part is in or moving into senior leader, leadership positions in the companies as, as the baby boomers and the silent generation move out of the workforce. So um, I think that's, that is going to create an, a new and powerful dynamic of people like us, mm-hmm. Scott and Kevin, who ha- have the frame of reference of having been brought up with technology, not, not in our hands at every moment, but at, at our access, probably from, at least in my case, like fifth grade on. So, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, I think it's a unique business dynamic. We have to embrace it more preemptively than we did the exit of the baby boomer generation and not wait until it's a crisis, yes. right? If, 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 if uh, necessity is the mother of invention, then crisis is the mother. Never mind. <laughs> it, it, necessity is necessity is the mother of invention. Yes. Let's just go with that. Well, well we ought to also go with. Uh, everyone needs, you know, Greg, I bet we both and Kevin, I bet all three of us were, yeah. were trained at an early age on the Oregon trail. That was one of the first pieces of technology ever was ever put in my hands. And not only did it give you an entertainment value, you had some supply chain challenges. You had three bullets and you had to go track down a bear or a buffalo or whatever you're going to feed uh, uncle Clem and the whole family with right, Greg, I don't know if you remember Oregon Trail. Maybe I'm the player. I, I was pretty far before that. <laughs> okay. There was there was an there was an on on Apple, not even two E's oh. on Apple computers. There was an electronic version of Dungeons and Dragons, oh. which was the only version I ever cared about. Okay, so Kevin, um, <laughs> we're, we're sharing some video game experiences here. But Kevin, what say you? And then I'm gonna share a couple of quick comments. First of all, the um, baby boom was on going away. Okay, we're not exiting the workforce. Nobody is retiring around here. We're just working in a different way. (laughs) Maybe so. We're using technology. So the companies need to leverage this technology in order to access the knowledge, the insight, and an experience of us baby boomers, right? We're still here. That's right. Oh, you're a baby boomer? I would have never guessed no that. No way. Okay. No way. Kev, Kevin, Kevin's an early Gen Xer. Come on, Kevin. Um, <laughs> all right. Really quick. I want to share a couple of comments here. Uh, see, Josh, going back to the Oregon Trail references, I can't count how many times I died of dysentery. And that was a regular <laughs> outcome on that video game. Um, Peter says, hey, if I, at 59, if I can learn how to work with SAP sales modules, anyone can. How about that? And then he also adds, he learned how to program in Fortran at university on key cards. And he says, dear Lord, because oh, uh, key cards haven't been around in a little while. Okay. Uh, uh, I remember. Well, Peter, I still you're, remember you're better equipped having all these uh, stack of cards, walking to the computing center, tripping and going all over the floor, uh, around, losing <laughs> oh, the cards. My gosh. Oh, my God. That's, that hurt. <laughs> that's when data transfer was sneaking in. That's what we call it. Um, so... If he's good with Fortran, he's he should be good with SAP. The, that's how far back SAP goes, wow. by the way, to Fortran. The core kernels of SAP are reportedly wow. Fortran. And then and then it's back to Oregon Trail. Corey Comer says the show 1885, which is on Paramount Plus, was like Oregon Trail come to life. Corey, I gotta <laughs> check it out. I kind of boycotted it because all we saw while wa- finishing whatever uh, other show we watched on Paramount Plus was commercial. Yellowstone. After Yellowstone, yes. Was commercial Yellowstone. after commercial after commercial. So I, I, I refuse to watch it. Uh, Memory says, we're going to need companies that change their types of performance metrics to match the digitization and technology upgrades taking place so we're not measuring irrelevant objectives. Yeah. Wow. Memory. Memory. Right on, all, as always. Yeah. So – that needs to happen anyway. I mean, we still do too much measurement for measurement's sake, but man, especially now, because now, uh, you know, the generations we call the incoming generations, though, again, some of them 40, right. um, you know, they, they know what should be measured. They have an idea of what a meaningful measurement is. So they're going to put a lot of pressure back on management to measure only what's meaningful, which is so good. Excellent point. feel like I've been shouting into the wilderness <laughs> for decades. Kevin, uh, follow up to Greg's comments there on, on what memories, uh, the point she's making here. 
we're gonna, we're gonna talk in the next about HR. This is where HR is really critical, right? Um, in order to uh, identify and measure and, and monitor how you're going to train and, and, and get people in the digital world where, where you need them to be. Yep, good point. All right, a couple of last comments here. Peter said back to those, those programming cards, Top tip: Always number them. <laughs> so I, can, I can only imagine. I can only imagine. Uh, so Meek is asking about Anaplan. Anaplan is taking a lead, he says, in supply chain management. We'll try to circle back on that one. Uh, and finally, Memory says, set those KPIs so they are not rewarding the wrong achievement. Achievements. Yeah. That's a great point. Amen. Or simply measuring failures, which is what most of them do. Right. That is right. Okay. You got to measure their accomplishments as well. Mm, that's right. So we so we don't reward the arsonist, as Mike Griswold uh, from Gartner has said with us here. Okay. Through that. Yeah. The next uh, next up, uh, we got some good news. Who can't raise your hand if you can't get enough good news? My hand <laughs> is certainly raised. Uh, our friends at, at Accenture are sharing that scaling the future supply chain workforce get that get this is easier than you think. So, Kevin, tell us more. And we got to dive into this now. Yeah, yeah. So, we just talked about all the hard things <laughs> about upskilling and adopting digitalization. But in reality, this is these are people skills, right? So, uh, so upgrading your work skills, one of the first things you really need to do is create cross functional teams, cross functional working teams, because the future supply chain requires companies to move away from the siloed functional teams working separately. Uh, so your chief uh, um, supply chain officer really need to build these teams that work collectively. Digital fluency, as we've just talked about, allows people to build on top of a technological foundation. All right? They don't just work alongside of technology. They really use it to unleash their own human creativity. So you're using humans for what humans are good for. And they can find out and learn, working together collaboratively, how to work in new ways. This also, in turn, broadens the horizon of your employees. All right. This makes them enjoy their work. By You can do things like just simple things like rotating assignments around, among your supply chain departments to make sure everybody can understand the big picture. Um, and this is, it's, it's really important when you think about notation is not to just focus on supply chain. It's critical to share the knowledge. Um, your supply chain workforce is really critical to your growth. So you need to, your management team has to know things like sales and marketing and finance, okay, and IT. So they can have that broader view. And not only that they can learn from these other departments, but those departments can learn from your supply chain. And once again, it's critical to work with HR to make this happen. Your, your, your supply chain officers need to prepare help the HR team prepare the infrastructure, the HR infrastructure, so that you can do proper measurements of accomplishments, uh, those goalposts toward digitalization, and really engage, actively engage your, your, um, uh, your people on continuously refreshing their skills. Mm. Okay. So, Greg, uh, Kevin shared a lot there, but one of the things I think certainly you got to look at the, the the HR team, the organization, the experts there as your partner, especially in this environment where, as you uh, mentioned earlier, it is so tough to get the talent you need at, at all levels, uh, all hierarchy of, of skill sets. But, Greg, when we talk about skilling the future supply chain workforce is easier than you think. What are your thoughts? I think it's easier than it's ever been in the past. and and uh, for good reason, and that is because technology providers have recognized that all those screens and fields and and adjustments and and 
everything that, you know, all the programming or pseudo programming that people, you know, users have needed to know in the past is absolutely unnecessary and counterproductive. And in fact, what technology ought to do more is not just provide the information, but provide the answer, right? I mean, and, and where, where it can, right? And where it doesn't, as Kevin uh, spoke about, where it doesn't require the critical thinking or the creativity of a human being to pre- present at least a potential answer. And I think more and more technologies are doing that today. I know we certain, I've certainly worked with a lot, uh, every piece of technology I've ever built, maybe just because I'm lazy, has done as much work for me and, and the users as I could possibly make it do, including producing the answer. And I think that's a critical part of it. Because as these, we're calling them younger generation, <laughs> as Gen Y and Gen Z are in there, I mean, happy 40th birthday, all you young youngsters out there. Um, uh, for, for, for those generations coming in, they expect the delivery of answers in many, many uh, in many, many respects from technology. So I think we have to acknowledge that and see that more and more. And the truth is that is what technology should do right. is it should provide the stability and the consistency and the lack of emotion and, and the uh, rapid and effective analysis of data that human beings struggle with and, and present an answer based on that knowledge. Now, human beings are creative enough to know when there is a lack of data or when the data is uh, incomplete or even incorrect. And that's where the critical thinking comes in to, to work alongside or in lieu of the, the technology. But even today, when that happens, you can capture that. <laughs> you can capture that. <laughs> <laughs> Just really yeah. quick for the listeners that are listening to the replay there after Greg <laughs> said generally happy birth, happy 40th birthday to all those other generations. Christopher Tanner comments, hey, only 39 over here. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Greg, sorry, hey, I didn't mean to cut you off as you're no, 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 that's perfect. Well, yeah, yeah, one thing um, I'm I'm going to I'm going to uh, put a spin on something that Greg said about technology. So technology doesn't always give you the answer, right? Okay. Do not depend on technology to be right with the answer all the time. But even when it can't give you the answer, it can give you the viable options so that the human right. can make the quote correct decision. You can't be a you can't be afraid of technology, and you can't be afraid of what technology can't do. All right, there's a lot it can provide. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And I think, Kevin, to that point, I think you know as we augment technology and we take the three options that it gives us, and we say here's the right answer and here's why. That creates more learning for the technology, yeah. right? That's what artificial intelligence does: is it takes the knowledge imparted upon it by a human user, and then it stores that and learns from it. Yeah. So, if we say here's why A is correct and not B and C, then the technology can continue to learn and refine from that, and it effectively becomes an advocate or even right yeah. an arbiter for for you and and your decision making skills. Well, so, yeah. Okay. You know, both of y'all speak to the expectation that these that the uh, younger generations are uh, putting out there in the industry that's a wonderful thing. Uh, it, it, I know I know that, that's what you're saying as well. It is going to move industries faster. They're going to have to move yeah. faster. They're going to have to make the adjustment. And uh, uh, as Jonathan says here, smash those silos. I yes. love that, Jonathan. That's such an important <laughs> mm-hmm. thing. Uh, Peter, when you talk about getting talent, Peter says he's a strong advocate of hiring folks with thinking skills. They don't need an MBA to be good at a job. You need to be creative and see through a problem, not stare at it in bewilderment. I love that, Peter. Or or who was it who said, don't fall in love with the problem? Uh, Bo Groover. Right. Our friend, Bo Groover. Yeah. Y'all check out. Don't fall in love. That's right. Uh, yeah. Check out the Effective Syndicate. Bo's doing some great work over there. Good friend of the, the show here. Richard. Hey, Richard, I appreciate this feedback here. He's new to this channel and the supply chain environment. Uh, he says, you're doing an amazing job with all these interesting topics. Richard, thank you for that feedback. And come on back. And your, yeah. your point of view is welcome here anytime. Uh, Jonathan is 32. 
And he says he misses the 90s. How about that? I, I miss 90s too with regularity. Okay, Kevin, I want you to weigh in. I want you and Greg to weigh in. I miss the 90s. If you remember the 90s, <laughs> Dude, you remember the there. 90s. <laughs> All right. So Jose says here, and we got and we got one more story to get to. We will in a minute. Um, but Jose says, open question. Even though we are in a tech era, why still the adoption of tech is an issue for companies and people? Kevin, do you want to take that first and then I'll get to Greg? Yeah. Uh, well, the first thing I'd, I'd like to say is it's our own fault. Um, we're at the beginning of the technological transition. Uh, everyone felt that they were thinking robots and that this technology is going to take away my livelihood. It's going to take away uh, the way I work, uh, my living. And they always wanted to fight against it. Um, and that was the big problem. And we have that legacy today. Everyone's still afraid technology is going to uh, take my job away um, mm -hmm. when we should have seen technology as a way of uh, liberating us from the drudgery of uh, right. the industrial age. <laughs> exactly. Amen. That's exactly what it does. So if we can you know, change that mindset um, and understand it's, you know, you need to help technology get better so that you can be used for your humanity. <laughs> mm. Mm. At, uh, uh, so much goodness there. And as uh, disciple Greg here is, is testifying <laughs> as you're in mid answer, Greg, uh, what else would you add to uh, Jose's great open question? about the challenge of uh, tech adoption. We're only humans and we hate change, hate it, right? Avoid it in many cases at any cost, right? So that, I think that is, you know, as Kevin said in a much more eloquent way, um, we are our own worst enemy when it comes to that. But that's why we despise change. We get into a groove, that groove becomes part of kind of who we are and what we do each day. That makes it easier to do, easier to tolerate. and. And when change comes, I mean, how many times have you said, at least if you're from the States, it's the devil you know or the devil you don't know, right? Right. So it, it doesn't even have to be that the new process or, or the old process is good. Yes. It could be awful, but at least you know it. Right. And, well, and, and that's something that technology companies need to understand is they need to recognize that for anyone to make a change, they have to recognize that there is greater danger in what they're doing today. And I don't mean just, I don't mean physical danger, but you know, of course, greater risk, let's right. say in what they're doing today, than risk of going through a change process where anything could happen, including, you know, to Kevin's point, you could be determined to be unable to change or irrelevant or, or whatever, right? right? There's a lot of security in doing what you've always done. Well said. And if we're just in case if we're taking votes, I'd rather deal with the devil I know than the devil I don't know, just in case we're taking exactly. that. Um, That's exactly right. And every single person on the planet would would take that as well. Excellent point. Uh, JFAR via LinkedIn is talking about cost, costs role, costs role, uh, the role of cost in uh, adoption of tech. And he also says, humans, as Greg and Kevin are both alluding to, they have fear of cost and they do not look for future results. Some techs need in, need courage to be adopted. I love that. Um, mm -hmm. Excellent point. That could be one of the comments of the day, one of the biggest T-shirtisms today. Yeah. So I love that. Richard says, some companies want the employees to learn the tech tools by themselves. We've all seen that too. Richard, excellent point there. Memory. Uh, adoption also stems from failure to fully understand the capacity it has to contribute to overall business objectives. That's right. Where does this new tech platform uh, fit into the big picture? Uh, that's a bridge not crossed oftentimes by organizational leaders, particularly, memory says, cost savings and how it makes workers do more of what they do better uh, than tech. And then finally, two final comments here. Josh Goody says, I'm 31. Man, Josh. <laughs> Uh, yeah, very jealous. He had to explain to a new earn, <laughs> a new intern how awesome it was to have a jog-proof Walkman. Tech advancement <laughs> makes it easier to stop rewarding the arsonist. Oh, Josh, that's gold. And then finally, our dear friend, the the um, Greg. What's that? Oh, 
Sorry, the Doc Holiday of supply chain. Yeah, Fred Tolbert. <laughs> that is right. Fred Tolbert, the Doc Holiday of supply chain, says it's a great day to be in supply chain. Fred, we can't agree more. Appreciate all that you do. Talk about engaging uh, current, the now generation and yeah. and additional generations. Fred's doing great work there. He's your help. Okay. Yeah, that's right. All right. So, uh, uh, so Kevin, there's a picture we want to share. Um, oh, yeah. And I think – uh, so, yeah, to, to, to the production team, if y'all could check your email, and we'll see if we can't share that picture, uh, Kevin, that you have uh, that you just sent over. Um, all right. So, Kevin, are we good to move to the next yeah. article? We got one more big one. Absolutely. Okay. So this this uh, third and final article here, uh, this headline from Supply and Demand Chain Executive. This has got to be music to your ears, Kevin L. Jackson, <laughs> yours in particular. Yes. Uh, di <laughs> digital transformation, key to overcoming post-pandemic challenges. Kevin, tell us more. Right. So um, supply, spot, and uh, the managing executive they're serving, right? And 87 of their respondents said that digital transformation was uh, – critical to achieving their business goals um, in uh, 2022. And the other two articles, you know, highlighted that as well. But it really, this particular article went into the details with respect to um, supply chain, right? Improving quote efficiency, um, uh, the lack of automation and transitioning to fully digital buying experiences. Um, the 59% of the respondents named the need to drive sales and revenue as the top priority for digitalization. 77% um, okay. said that they needed to invest in supply chain optimization because of economic uncertainty. Um, and, and, and a, a research from Accenture showed that while 96% of sales and marketing executives wanted to transform their sales department, only 7% have plans to do that in the next 12 years. <laughs> wow, 12 years. That's like okay. an eternity. 31% think they need to change it within the next 35 years. <laughs> wow. Those are the future thinkers, right? Right. Um, but, 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 but actually, here's another important uh, point that, that came out. 84% said that sustainability was critical in manufacturing, which really reflect the growing attitudes around environmental, social, and governance goals. These are essential right. for both your short-term business goals and your long-term success. Okay. So, uh, Greg, um, by the way, Kevin, we got that image. We'll, we'll get to after, after we get, this, get yeah. yeah, we'll get Greg's take here first. So, Greg, we're talking about digital transformation being a critical key to overcoming post-pandemic challenges. Uh, and Kevin just shared some stuff there. What's your take, Greg? Uh, I was amazed at how few statistics there were about actually delivering <laughs> on their sales promise and marketing promises, right? I mean, 59% said driving sales and revenue. Maybe in there, snuck in there, is something good to do with the supply chain to make it to make that stuff actually get delivered. But in this day and age, this seems remarkably out of touch, frankly. And, um, and in that they should be, uh, sales are not hard to come by these days. They just aren't hard to come by, right? Right. Um, what is hard to come by is the ability to deliver those sales. So um, I, I couldn't help when I read this for the first time to kind of go through it. And then Kevin, as you went through those numbers, it just kind of cements it in your mind that, even though we think we've come a long way in supply chain and in digital transformation in regard to supply chain and even other aspects of the business still right sales and revenue and cost optimization which is a euphemization or sorry and optimization which is a euphemization of cost benefit or mm -hmm. cost analysis of the supply chain 
still rule the day, at least in these businesses that were surveyed. So, yeah, um, you know, there's a lot for us to get over from to to address the impact and the potential of all three of these articles. One of the key things that continues to hit hit the forefront of my mind is we have to cease thinking of supply chain as a cost saving exercise, as merely going through the motions to get the stuff that the salespeople get sold to the marketplace to get it to deliver, right? Mm-hmm. It's way too important. And, and now in the forefront of not only every business person's mind, but your customer's mind, they know whether you have a good supply chain or not, as, just like they know whether you have a good sales team or not. And we have to round out our thinking from just sales and revenue and cost minimization in the supply chain to risk balancing in the supply chain and assuring that we have an eye towards the future, like Kevin was talking about, so that we know we can deliver what we sell. Because we're selling yep. a lot of stuff right now that we that cannot be delivered in every aspect of industry. Excellent point. And, and the headline here uh, from this piece is kind of like, water is wet, grass is green, the sky is blue. Yes, digital transformation absolutely is going to be uh, paramount. To overcoming post-pandemic challenges, frankly, it was a bit. It was paramount to getting through the the, the pandemic challenges. Yeah. Uh, so I appreciate. Well, was, uh, what I you, mean, and you know, Kevin. Speaking of shouting into the wilderness, Kevin has been talking about digital transformation for years, and it it has been important even prior to now. All, the only thing right. that has changed with digital transformation and supply chain, the only thing that has changed is the awareness, the broad-based awareness of those two aspects of business that that companies need to focus on uh agreed okay so kevin uh we could you want hey let's give uh, kevin you get the last thought on this on, on the uh supply and demand chain executive article before we move to a new image your your final thought kevin so all three of these articles highlight the the importance of broad thinking that it's, it's important to make sure everyone is in the same tent, under the same tent, in the same room, and everyone understands the, the skill sets of others and the value of others. And this includes the robots. <laughs> this includes the technology. You know, people say right. that, you know, this is, you know, uh, apples and oranges, technology and supply chain, two different things. No, there are, there are value in leveraging both to achieve the goals and the KPIs and the ROIs that your organization needs. Well said. All right. Um, let's do this. I want to share a couple of these quick comments. Dr. Ron is with us once again. So good. So good for you to uh, be with here with us. Busy Monday, folks, she says, with green team activities as we celebrate Earth Day all week at GTZ. Catch up uh, time on some great Supply Chain Now content. Kevin, Scott, and Greg in the house with us peeps. Man, I can't stand peeps. But uh, Dr. Rhonda, great to have you here as always, and I appreciate that. But you know, Stephanie Stuckey is over. Yesterday? So yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, I didn't. Peeps yesterday? No, I didn't. Stephanie, so, <laughs> Stephanie Stuckey had this great poll that had ten uh, ten gazillion votes, and it was uh, peeps versus the Cadbury egg. <laughs> I am I am officially with both feet in the Cadbury egg. <laughs> Party. I've never been a Peeps fan, but hey, Dr. Rhonda, great to have you here. Looking forward to seeing some of the cool things you're doing with Earth Day this week. T-Squared, who holds down the fort for us on YouTube, says, as, as, soon, as a soon-to-be 45-year-old, I'm nostalgic for the 90s. In addition, people need to embrace the Rudy-George connection with regard to technology in the workplace. And he says, by the, by the way, that is a Jetsons <laughs> reference. I'm glad he mentioned that because I missed it. Um Richard says, hey, what will happen with small business? They do not have the economic resources to autom- uh, automate their processes. That's a fair point. Well, they do, though. I mean, there are more and more of those solutions, unlike SAP, that don't th- take a thousand consulting days or millions of dollars of implementation fees. Right. Start with QuickBooks. Start it's with called QuickBooks. cloud services. Yeah. Cloud yeah, computing I mean, services. Yeah. Yes. There, there are all kinds of technologies out there. So if that's an issue for you, Richard, give me a shout. Yeah, QuickBooks is one, one of the best cloud-based services that small businesses can use. Yeah, no doubt. Excellent point. Excellent point. Um, 
Ada Demola, uh, great to have you back with us here. She says, joining late, but good thing is I can do a playback to catch up on what I've missed thus far. Good to be here. So great to have you back, and I appreciate your note over the weekend. I've really, we've all enjoyed your perspective here in some recent uh, live streams. Uh, let's see, Josh says, don't let a 10 cent part cost you $300,000 worth of production. <laughs> don't let a 10 cent or part more. cost you friendly partnerships with suppliers. Well said, Greg. It's not about cost saving. It's about saving the money flow to the customer. Okay. Uh, and Dr. No says, that, 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 no now. way. How about she that? She is such a health fanatic. There is no way she would ever, <laughs> ever have a peep. Just no <laughs> she's just, she's just. All right. Jiving. So, and yeah. Teasing us. <laughs> All right. We're going to try to get to a couple more comments here before we wrap today. But really quick, Kevin, yeah. you sent over. Uh, a neat article and say, folks, sometimes we're just going with what was sent. I know it's not doctored up, but I think everyone can see this clearly. Kevin, what does this image represent to you? <laughs> yeah, what does this image represent? So, first of all, what is it? Does anybody know what it is? Put it, you can put it in the in the chat, and I, I'll give you a second to put it, uh put it in the chat. I'll tell you, it's a bedazzled ship. And you're going to say, <laughs> what the? <laughs> this is a bedazzled ship from World War II. Okay. And, and, you, and you look at it and, and what, you know, you see all the different lines on this bedazzled ship. Why do they have all these lines on the bedazzled ship? So, anybody ever heard of Picasso? and the cubism move. So cubism is an artistic movement. It's created hmm. by Pablo Picasso and George Barak, uh, which employs geometric shapes in depictions of human and other forms, all right? The geometric touches can be intense to, and it can really overtake the represented forms. All right, and you say, well, how does this, what this conversation has to do with this? So this is what the artist did to protect naval shipping in World War II. Huh. All right, this is a type of camouflage. And you think about camouflage, you say, well, I thought camouflage is to reduce the visibility of something. You're not reducing the visibility of this ship by putting all these black and white stripes on it. <laughs> it, it, it just sticks right, right. out, right? Mm -hmm. How can it be camouflage? Well, they were trying to protect these ships against attack from U-boats. And when you're trying to attack a ship with a torpedo, Right. The most important aspect of that is understanding its heading and speed. And you're trying to measure the heading and speed through a periscope. These different lines and colors make it almost impossible to compute the heading and speed of a ship. So... 75% of the um, submarines would miss the ship because it was bedazzled. So this is a contribution of artists to the art of war. Two completely different things, two completely mind different mm -hmm. mindsets that right. bring value. That's what you have to think about when you're talking about technology and any other process, any other business process. You have to uh, accept the value that other domains can bring to your process, your KPI, your ROI. Wow. Okay. Humans. We need a whole show dedicated to this, um, <laughs> that, la that last little image. And, and uh, Kevin, your take there. Also, if you haven't checked out 
Greyhound with Tom Hanks. It is such a fascinating uh, World War II focused uh, movie on the Atlantic voyage of all the convoys and, and how um, uh, the U.S. forces and U.S. Navy battled and their strategies of battling all the German submarines. It, it is really fascinating. Tom Tom Hanks, of course, is one of the best. Um, Greg, respond, if you would, really quick to what Kevin is talking about here with the bedazzled ship and, and kind of uh, the, the bigger picture meaning and thinking behind it. I mean, I think you have to recognize that there are a lot of valuable points of view, right? There are a lot of valuable inputs into any business. And we've alluded to this in this discussion is that you know, we need to have cross-pollinization of artists of who in many business are the merchants and, um, and the product managers, along with the analysts, the supply chain uh, professionals, the financial people, all of those people who, who work with rigor versus work with art and feeling, uh, and with everyone else who facilitates or integrates with the business process. And it is impossible not to touch every aspect of the business through supply chain. Mm. Let me say that again. It is impossible not to touch every aspect of the business. I mean, you literally affect marketing and are affected by marketing. You affect sales and likewise and inverse. And um, logistics, obviously. Uh, I think some of the most successful companies that I've worked for, they got it. I worked for what is now O'Reilly Automotive. And back in the day when we were just Checker, Shucks, and Cragen for you folks in the western part of the U.S. Um, when we met with our vendors to talk about new products, we started putting what we called then the purchasing agents in the meetings along with the merchandisers to make sure that we developed logistics constraints and limitations and minimums and maximums that met our goals. And if we didn't do that, then we we built in compensation mechanisms for that. So, yep. um, uh, you know, there, it, it can be done in some cases, it's literally been being done for three decades. And, um, what I think we have to understand this to this point is a lot more artists and analysts have integrated at the lower tiers of the supply chain, which is what I call retail and distribution than in manufacturing. And a lot of these inefficiencies that we talk about in supply chain very broadly are really only a major and significant issue for manufacturers. Right. But it still is an issue for even retailers and, and distributors. So, um, I, you know, there, there's good news in this. And what I, I hope people will start to recognize is that instead of trying to project the manufacturing model down to retailers who's whose supply chain model in many cases is far, far more advanced, right. we should do the inverse. Learn from what retailers have been doing for decades to optimize and risk balance their supply chains at the manufacturing level. Yeah. Well said. You know, uh, when you first, Kevin, popped that image and said it was bedazzled, I thought I thought there was going to be a, a pun on like the bedazzler. Uh, that Ron Popeil uh, sold out the marketplace, <laughs> the late and great Ron Popeil. Is that a Ron Popeil? I think so. I think so. No. Uh, we'll get wow. double checked on that for sure. But y'all check that out. Um, but love that. Um, so really quick, really quick. And we're going to make sure folks know how to connect with Kevin and Greg right up here against it. Um, this has got to be succinct, guys. It's got to be succinct. Jonathan says, hey, what are y'all's best supply chain management quotes for Motivational Monday? So I'm going to give you all just a couple of minutes, just a minute, because I'm going to share one uh, and it's not going to be uh, Shakespeare-ish. But one of our past live stream participants made the comment that informed people make informed decisions. So uh, I can't remember who to attribute that to, but I would just build on that and say, work tirelessly to make sure your people are informed. It, don't be afraid to pick up the call if there's any uncertainty. Uh, especially with big items, right? Going back to Josh's point about letting the 10 cent part cost you 300,000, man, pick up the phone and just make sure you're on the same page. It can't hurt. But uh, that's not a, a poster for Motivational Monday. It's just a thought. But uh, Kevin, what would be your best supply chain management quote? I would say uh, data is not knowledge or insight. For that, you need humans. <laughs> Oh, nice. I like that, Kevin. And I agree with you. Uh, Greg? Hate to lose more than you love to win. Hating to lose will force 
will force a strategy and tactics that eliminate any pos- possibility for failure, and therefore you win. Wow. Man. I love that. Greg and Kevin, we just need to do like a motivational quote live stream one day. Peter adds, it's mind over matter. If you don't mind it, it doesn't matter. (laughs) Or if your boss doesn't mind. Love that. Brenda. Hey, Brenda, great to have you back. Uh, President of Kitty Bob's Foods. Uh, She says, once again, a great informative program. I'm so happy that I stumbled on finding y'all by following Stephanie Stuckey, who was with us uh, last week, maybe week four. Thanks for, for providing this platform. I've gleaned a lot of knowledge from listening to y'all. Thank you. And Brenda, hopefully your husband, who I think joined us and business partner, found that part uh, that y'all were looking for. Let us know. Um, Okay. So Kevin, again, Reader's Digest version here. Uh, We had so much fun diving into the three articles and and then the bedazzled ship, which now all I can think about is infomercials. But, um, (laughs) But how can folks connect with you and the shockingly popular uh, series here at Supply Chain Now, Digital Transformers. Well, Digital Transformers, March edition, next Monday. And uh, this is going to be a this be a huge one, really. We're going to talk about the future of work um, with the uh, CEO of uh, Executive On Dem- Demand, who's actually uh, just left uh, U- Ukraine. Well, and, uh, and he's going to talk a lot about how work has changed over the years and how he's managing the future of work in the war zone. So uh, you can look look me on uh, Supply Chain Now and Digital Transformers or on uh, Twitter at uh, Kevin underscore Jackson or Digital Transx. Love that. And of course, you can find Digital Transformers wherever you get your podcasts from. Subscribe so you don't miss a single thing. Hey, Greg, uh, I want to ask you about your supply chain commentary. But before I do, Moises wants to get your quote again about winning and you know, winning and losing. Uh, hate to lose more than you love to win. It's just that simple. Uh, it's just that simple. All right. So let's uh, – so Tequila Sunrise is still in sabbatical. Uh, a lot of good stuff there. But what's not in sabbatical is Greg's hot take. He, give, he offers us up via supply chain commentary every Monday, Wednesday, Friday on LinkedIn. You got to follow him or be connected with him to, to uh, not only – read it and digest it, but comment, man, we've yeah. seen some great conversations in those threads. So Greg, tell us about that. Yeah. We, I mean, we've had a couple depending on the topic and the picture, I think, um, the picture. <laughs> that, you know, we've, had, we've had 15 or 20,000 people view and, um, and the conversation goes on in many of those. Uh, but every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, except this Monday when, um, except when LinkedIn, they periodically force you to refresh your, oh. your, your connection yep. and they don't give you any, any warning. They just say, Oh, you need to refresh your connection after it fails mm. anyway. Uh, but every Monday, Wednesday and Friday, other than the occasional glitch, um, I take an article that talks about supply chain. Sometimes that includes other, even foreign affairs type issues and share my thoughts. Sometimes those thoughts are directly relevant and directly commenting on the article that's attached. Sometimes it's the thoughts that that article or its topic puts in my head and what we need to think about. The idea being to interest, inform, and inspire leaders in supply chain. Love it. Great. Love that. And check that out. Um, you you will not uh, regret that you do. And, and when you check it out, make sure you comment. Give us your take on, on Greg's POV there. Hey, um, please do. It is so, and you don't have to agree. <laughs> that's right. Uh, it's so cool. Uh, so Brenda answered our question. Whoa, they found that awesome. part. I think it was like a 400 amp electrical box or something uh, for the manufacturing plant. So that is so cool. Peter says, mm. uh, all bad leaders are temperamental. 50% temper and 50% mental. Love that, <laughs> Peter. Man. Um, okay. Well, this has been too much wow. fun, as always, Kevin. Too much fun. Uh, Greg, uh, the Digital Transformers version of the Supply Chain Buzz. Really have enjoyed all the comments here today. Uh, there are some gold nuggets. I'm going to go back through and and review all the comments that were that was dropped in here today. Um, and Catherine. Catherine's lurking back there. Catherine, hope this finds you well. Appreciate all that you do, along with Amanda and Chantel and Clay. I think I saw Clay uh, was also uh, uh, making some comments, talking about the bedazzled ship, uh, Kevin and Greg. <laughs> but 
folks, it is. I love that term. I do too. Uh, it is that time. So big thanks to all of y'all that tuned in, all of y'all that brought your comments, brought your A game here today. Big thanks to Kevin L. Jackson. Uh, gosh, to get an hour of his time, uh, that world traveler, highfalutin um, <laughs> individual, uh, Kevin L. Great to see you here today. Yeah, thanks, Kevin. Always a pleasure, Greg, to knock out the buzz every Monday at 12 noon Eastern time. And I appreciate what you've shared here today. Uh, we didn't ask you about the Hilton Head Global Transportation Logistics Shipping Container Index and then some. Right. What is it? Thankfully, right you didn't. But I will be ready for next Monday. Okay. All right. <laughs> With the report. Fair enough. Hey, folks, make sure you connect and follow Kevin and Greg on LinkedIn and Twitter and, and everything else. You, you uh, won't, don't want to miss what they're up to. Also, as we wrap here today, uh, on behalf of our entire team here at Supply Chain Now, Scott Luton challenging you, hey, take those steps. Let's all work together to, to push, uh, to make those small nudges that move mountains. And you can check out the Supply Chain Now podcast that we dropped today to, to kind of learn more about that phrase. But whatever you do, hey, do good, give forward, and be the change that's needed. And on that note, we'll see you next time right back here on Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. All right. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at SupplyChainNow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.